All right, everybody. It is Friday, February 10th, Super Bowl weekend. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mo Shwanunu. And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. And we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. Jill, it's Super Bowl weekend. Everyone will be watching the game, but everyone has their own reason why they're watching the game. What's yours? Uh, Rihanna halftime show, Avi. Jill, people say Avi still? (laughs) I do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm my own person, Mosh. You are. You're entitled to that. You're entitled to use the word Avi. We'll see how the rest of the listeners feel about that. But Rihanna actually gave us a sneak peek on uh, the halftime show on Thursday. So we'll have a bit about that in today's podcast. Yeah, with that, let's get to the headlines. We're going to start with everything that you need to know about Super Bowl 57, from the expert predictions about the game to the commercials. And as you just mentioned, what Rihanna has to say about the halftime show. Plus, we're learning more about the Chinese spy balloon as officials go through the debris. An update on the earthquake in the Middle East as the death toll continues to climb. In North Korea, some signs that Kim Jong-un's successor could be his 10-year-old daughter. An update from Florida on whether high school girls will have to give information about their menstrual cycle in order to play sports. Southwest Airlines in the hot seat after that travel debacle over the Christmas holiday, what company execs told Congress on Thursday. And even Chick-fil-A getting in on the plant-based burger craze. We'll tell you what they're cooking. (laughs) And Moshe's on this day. I promise just the facts. I gave a little opinion there. Just full disclosure. Um, Yes, we have on this day. And for those of you familiar with this 90s film, here's your clue. Stop looking at me, Swan. And what we are watching, reading, and eating on this Super Bowl weekend. Let's start with Sunday's big game. The Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles will be squaring off on Sunday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern at State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona for Super Bowl 57. It is very much a battle of the quarterbacks. The Eagles, Jalen Hurts, and the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, will be facing off. So ESPN asked more than 70 experts to weigh in on the winner, the final score, the MVP. The vast majority think that the Eagles will win. The most common predicted final scores were 27 to 24 and 31 to 24. By the way, Caesars Sportsbook currently favors Philadelphia by one and a half points. Jalen Hurts, Eagles quarterback, is the most common pick to win the Super Bowl MVP. I like those odds, Jill, because it means potentially, if they're gambling on it, we'll have a close game. And last year, you know, you you hate the Super Bowl blowouts where it's boring to watch the second half. Last year, L.A. won in the last two minutes off of a touchdown. So that's what I'm rooting for here. Interestingly, both teams have won recently. This is the Chiefs' third Super Bowl in the last four years. They won back in 2020, lost in 2021. For the Eagles, they won their first ever Super Bowl back in 2018. So both teams pretty familiar with the game. But let's get beyond the game here because a lot of people like you will be watching for the halftime show and the commercials. Let's talk commercials for a second. Right now, a 30-second ad costs $7 million, so keep that in mind as you watch the commercials this weekend. That's how much those companies are paying for that 30-second slot, and then those 60-second slots, obviously, even more pricey. Right now, viewership in the U.S. is expected to be at about 200 million people, and then obviously the game goes out globally. As far as those commercials, uh, here's what to expect and not expect this year. Remember last year, it was the big cryptocurrency craze, and they basically took over the Super Bowl commercials. Remember the FTX ad with uh, Larry David, etc.? But given the collapse of crypto in this last year, you won't be seeing much of that this year. Instead, most of the commercials will come from automakers, tech companies, 
and beer and alcohol, obviously. The usual a lot of suspects, right? The usual, the usual <laughs> suspects, the Budweiser's, et cetera. Uh, a lot of car commercials. Uh, there's going to be some celeb cameos in the commercials. Look for Adam Driver, Will Ferrell, John Travolta, Alicia Silverstone, Serena Williams, Tony Romo, and Kevin Garnett, just among a few. Serena Williams and Jimmy Butler from the NBA will have a Caddyshack spoof, apparently, in a Michelob ad. Actress Melissa McCarthy will be in a Booking.com ad. And then Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul, our favorite duo from Breaking Bad, apparently will be doing an ad as well. Most of them, because this is what they do now, are they're already up on YouTube, so you can check those out. But if you want to be surprised, you know, tune in Sunday night. Okay, there's a cool storyline to watch. Two brothers are actually going to be playing each other on Sunday. Jason Kelsey is a center with the Philadelphia Eagles. Travis Kelsey is a tight end with the Kansas City Chiefs. Both have already won Super Bowls. They're both considered future Hall of Famers. They have met three times in their careers. Uh, Travis and the Chiefs won all three times. Um, And they seem really close, at least according to some of these interviews. Travis said he's always looked up to his older brother, Jason, and he actually wears the number 87 because that's the year that Jason was born. That's sweet. It's so sweet. And then Jason said about the game, I know it's crazy, but I think we're both still rooting for each other. I feel like you can't help but do that. I might not be rooting for the Chiefs, but I'm always rooting for Trav. So sweet. Um, Their mom, Donna, told MSNBC that whoever wins, she can't lose. She says it's like you won the lottery from middle school to high school to college to get to the pros and actually to play, to be playing for this many years, to get Super Bowls and then to play against each other. I mean, what are the odds of that? It's got to be astronomical. We should have been playing the lottery, I'll tell you. Um, There was actually a push for uh, Donna Kelsey to do the coin toss. Yeah, and it's going to a foundation related to uh, former NFL player Pat Tillman, who died uh, in Afghanistan. Jill, they actually made a jersey for Donna, their mom, that is half KC, half Philly colors that she uh, that she dons. Also, I discovered as we were digging into this that the Kelsey brothers have a podcast called New Heights that they do together. And so uh, it was fun to listen to their most recent episode. You can check that out, you know, on whatever app you're listening to us on after you finish this podcast today. <laughs> now to the next big thing, the Super Bowl parties. Many of you may be hosting or attending this weekend. As you plan here, you might already be familiar with the prices, but several of the staples have increased this year. Uh, meat, fish and eggs, fruits and veggies uh, are all up 8% from this time last year. Alcoholic drinks up 6%. Non-alcoholic drinks, incidentally, up 13%. Though, as we mentioned on the podcast recently, the price of chicken wings is actually lower this year. Uh, There was a shortage, and it was really high last year. uh, And now uh, they're back to normal. Keep in mind, the chickens that are raised for meat uh, are actually slaughtered earlier, so they don't have to deal with the same avian flu that's impacting the chickens that are laying eggs, leading to the higher egg prices. So uh, the one thing to look forward to as you plan your Super Bowl party this year, chicken wings, cheaper. And of course, as we mentioned at the top, the halftime show headlined by Rihanna. She has not toured or released an album since 2016. She did, though, just have her first child last year, and she's also been focused on her fashion brand. She did the Super Bowl press conference yesterday and said being a mom actually influenced her decision to play the Super Bowl this year. Take a listen. When I first got the call to do it again this year, I was like... You sure? Like I'm, I'm, I'm three months postpartum. Like, should I be making major decisions like this right now? Like, I might regret this. But it 
when you become a mom, there's something that just happens where you feel like you could take on the world, you can do anything, and the Super Bowl is one of the biggest stages in the world. So as scary as that was, because I haven't been on stage in seven years, there's something exhilarating about the challenge of it all. And it's important for, for me to do this this year. It's important for representation. It's important for my son to see that. You know what, Moshe, with a seven-month-old son, I totally feel that. Number one, I agree that no major decision should be made in like the three months postpartum. Um, but I also think that when you're a mom, you, you just learn how to juggle so many things and handle so many things. And there is this feeling like if you could do that, you could do anything. And I do feel, I mean, not that I have a job like Rihanna does, but I feel like it's important for my kids to see me working and be proud of me. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Jill would like to be considered for the Super Bowl <laughs> halftime show next year. And I hope they're listening to the end of the podcast every day. As That's for what, what I'm <laughs> really doing. I'm just trying out for the halftime show. Exactly, exactly. As for what Rihanna will be singing in the press conference on Thursday, she said that narrowing down her set list has been the hardest part. She says that she's actually gone through 39 set lists, trying to get 17 years of music into 13 minutes. Uh, she says the show will be a celebration. She didn't give us a sense of specific songs here, but there's uh, bets being made. And among the songs people are betting on, Umbrella, Run This Town, Honda Replay, and Diamonds. All of her stuff is so good. Look, she's definitely going to do the upbeat stuff because she said that she wants it to be like a celebration. Um, any bets, who are they thinking is going to come out and sing with her and perform with her? So Eminem, he was there last year. She's obviously done several collabs with him. Uh, she's done some stuff with Drake. Would he come out? Unclear. Uh, she's done some stuff with Shakira. She's done some stuff with Coldplay. I mean, this is the thing about Rihanna. She's like, you know, done stuff with almost everybody. Obviously, Jay-Z produces the show. So, you know, there's an excuse for him to come on stage. So I think those are some of the names people are, are talking about. One analysis that I saw does point out that Lady Gaga in 2017 and The Who in 2010 did not bring out any special guests when they did their halftime show. So it's possible that she's going to just go solo. We'll see. We're looking forward to it. Um, there were years when I wasn't into the artist when I uh, switched it over to the Puppy Bowl on the Animal Planet oh channel. God. But uh, this year, I'm going to stick on the halftime show. All right, moving on to our next story. We are also learning a lot more about that Chinese spy balloon. Biden administration officials from the Defense Department held a classified briefing for House lawmakers on Thursday. There was also a hearing on camera. And let's just say that it got extremely tense. Officials defended the decision not to shoot down the balloon right away when it was first spotted over Alaska on January 28th. Instead, they waited until it was over the Atlantic Ocean by South Carolina and could be taken down safely without worrying about debris hitting anyone on the ground. And needless to say, lawmakers still not convinced that this was the best course of action. Take a listen to Alaska Senator Lisa Murkowski. As an Alaskan, I am so angry. I want to use other words, but I'm not going to. The fact of the matter is, Alaska is the first line of defense for America, right? If you're going to have Russia coming at you, if you're going to have China coming at you, we know exactly how they come. Then you had Senator John Tester of Montana. He said, 
I don't want a damn balloon going over the United States when we could have taken it down over the Aleutian Islands. So clearly a lot of emotions here. Now, shortly after the briefing, the House passed a resolution condemning the Chinese sending the balloon over. And Mosh, it's possibly the one thing that united Congress. It passed unanimously 419 to zero. Yeah, it's pretty rare to get uh, like AOC and Marjorie Taylor Greene to agree on anything. But uh, this one, 419 to zero, condemning the balloon and calling on the administration to reveal more about the decision. So here's what we know about the balloon, because U.S. intelligence declassified certain aspects of what they've learned about the balloon yesterday. And you've been hearing this in leaks and dribs and drabs here, but they linked the balloon to a vast surveillance program that is run by China. The State Department saying yesterday that China is spying on more than 40 countries around the world with balloons, including Japan, India, Vietnam, Taiwan, the Philippines. The list goes on. The uh, spying goes back here in America, as they've as we've mentioned, uh, they figured out that there were several of these balloons that were over the country during the Trump administration and then another during the Biden administration, including as many as eight overall over the last few years. And then there's what we're learning uh, from observing the balloon up in the air, as well as the pieces that have fallen into the ocean after it was shot down. A State Department official telling the Washington Post that the balloon carried electronic surveillance technology that was capable of monitoring U.S. communications. And they're confident that the balloon was seeking to monitor sensitive military sites over the U.S. It included antennas that were designed to uh, collect communications and geolocate things. It also had solar panels that produced enough power to operate multiple active sensors uh, that were attached to the balloon. It is unclear so far, at least they haven't revealed, what kind of intelligence was gathered from the balloon that they can't get already from satellites up above. But we'll wait to hear possibly uh, if we get those details. Incidentally, the president was on PBS with Judy Woodruff on Wednesday, and she asked several questions about the balloon and the decision. He reiterated that he wanted to shoot the thing down over Montana, but the military said, let's not do it over land. Let's actually observe it. We can learn some stuff by watching it. And then he was also asked about the relationship with China, whether this has made things worse. And he was like, actually, no, this has not made our relations uh, worse, uh, that you know, he's confident that China knows that we don't want to be at war with them and they don't want to be at war with us. But certainly things are tense. And, and he recognized that. Meanwhile, China accused the United States of overreacting to the whole situation. As we've reported, Secretary of State Antony Blinken was slated to go to Beijing uh, last week, but postponed the trip because of the balloon. And the trip was a big deal. It was his first official trip to China. Uh, We should note, U.S. officials say they don't think that China purposely flew the balloon as a way to derail the trip, which some people were speculating. Or did they? (laughs) <laughs> um, I mean, that's the thing is like, were there certain parts of the Chinese military that didn't want to see um, rehab there? Or were they purposely doing it to see if they could still get the trip from Blinken um, while embarrassing the U.S. publicly? So there's a lot of uh, various ideas out there, uh, calculations made by Xi, made by uh, the Chinese military here. Regardless, you know, the the two countries, we have to work together, the two biggest economies in the world. Uh, there's a lot of things to coordinate on. And so, you know, this is kind of the latest diplomatic crisis, but there have been many of these in the past, some way worse, some that have brought us much closer to war, um, including the downing of a U.S. plane 20 years ago. And if people are interested in more on China, if you haven't listened to them already and you have a chance this weekend, take a listen to uh, the interview that uh, me and Jill did with Josh Rogan of The Washington Post, 
Uh, we did a two-parter, and so you can check that out in your podcast feed. Josh Rogan is so knowledgeable about China. Uh, of course, this is his specialty. But he says, look, the balloon is the tip of the iceberg, but the, we're still headed toward the iceberg. So there's just a lot more going on here besides this balloon. It runs much deeper, and uh, we hope that the uh, the podcast, if you're interested in all things China, uh, helps you get some clarity on that. All right, Gerald, before we get to the rest of the day's news, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsors this week. Let's start with a game changer in the daily vitamin and supplement space, Athletic Greens. I've been using their AG1 supplements since the fall. The Athletic Greens AG1 powder is just one scoop with a glass of water in the morning. It's easy, quick, and lets you get on your day knowing that you've gotten more than 75 important ingredients, tons of vitamins and minerals. It also has pre and probiotics to support your gut health. With your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens is giving Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of their vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1. You can visit athleticgreens.com slash monews to take advantage of this offer. While there, you can get a monthly subscription that's discounted or just try it for one month. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash monews, M-O-N-E-W-S, for a special deal that will really start to let you take ownership of your health. All right, another partner this week I want to tell you about is Apostrophe Skincare. If you're tired of just hearing the solution to great skin is just drinking more water and you're looking for more help, this platform is an incredible resource. Apostrophe is an online platform that connects you with expert dermatologists to get customized treatment for your skin. It's very convenient. Apostrophe can help you on your road to a solution for a number of things, including adult acne or dark spots. It's simple to use and can be done from home. You answer several questions, snap a few selfies, and a board-certified dermatologist will create an initial customized treatment plan for you. They have a special deal now for the Mo News audience. Get your first visit for only $5 at apostrophe.com slash monews using our code monews. Simple as that. It's a savings of $15. To get started, again, just go to apostrophe.com slash monews. It's apostrophe, A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E apostrophe.com slash monews and click to get started and you'll get your first visit for only $5. All right, time now for the speed read. Let's start overseas with an update on those devastating earthquakes in Turkey and Syria from the Wall Street Journal. And these numbers are staggering. More than 20,000 people have been killed. At least 17,000 died in Turkey, a figure that surpasses the death toll from a traumatic 1999 earthquake in the country. In Syria, authorities are reporting about 3,000 deaths. When it comes to aid, a United Nations aid convoy entered rebel-held northwest Syria for the first time since the earthquakes. For many, though, the help is not sufficient and has come too late. The region is under a blockade by the Assad government. Yeah, these are the challenges here of having an earth, a, a terrible natural disaster in a region that already has multiple civil wars and conflicts going on. Um, Assad is trying to take full control back of his country after the revolution and the war that has lasted for 10 years. And um, so he's blocking certain aid from going in. He's requesting aid. The U.S. has sanctions against him. It's a very complicated situation, to say the least. Uh, and it comes as we've now learned that the death toll has surpassed even the death toll that we saw of that Japanese tsunami and earthquake just about 12 years ago. Hopes are fading in the search for survivors as uh, rescue workers now begin their fifth day of recovery. Relatives are desperate, but the situation is just so vast. You're talking about hundreds of miles of area of devastation. The Turkish president has pledged, apparently, to rebuild every home within a year. be interesting to see how he's able to pull that off. His government, Erdogan, he's the Turkish president, has declared a state of emergency and earthquake-struck areas. That gives him more powers 
uh, and we haven't seen that in Turkey for a few years. But that's the larger concern here in both the case of Turkey and Assad in Syria, that they're using this tragedy to consolidate their power even more. And it comes as the world is trying to aid the situation, trying to bring as much aid as they can, especially given how complex the region is. Iran has also uh, sent aid in, but Iran is involved with its own military forces and weapons there. So there are concerns among some in the West that Iran could use this strategy themselves to consolidate their power, influence, and send weaponry in under the guise of aid. So very complex situation. Unfortunately, you're talking about millions of people potentially uh, homeless here or not able to live where they were. And this is in a region where you already had several million refugees and displaced people before the earthquake. Staying overseas, but this time North Korea from the BBC, there's new speculation that Kim Jong-un's daughter might be his heir apparent. On Wednesday night, lines of monster missiles rolled through the North Korean capital of Pyongyang. But it wasn't just his weapons that Kim Jong-un was parading. He also had his 10-year-old daughter with him. Kim Joo-A is thought to be his second oldest child, though it's hard to know much definitively inside that country. It is her fifth public appearance in less than three months. Yeah, the only time you really get a sense of what's going on in North Korea are these like big military parades because everything is so closed off. That's why they've nicknamed it the Hermit Kingdom. Uh, You know, no open media, even Western press when they're brought in, get very limited views of what's going on. So that is why people, uh, the North Korea watchers, are uh, scrutinizing the fact that he keeps bringing his 10-year-old daughter around with him. So the big question is, what does it all mean? One thing that the North Korea watchers who watch every single statement that comes out have noticed is that for many years he would introduce her as his beloved daughter, but now he's introducing her as his respected daughter. That adjective is reserved for only the most revered in the country, so that's something that they have noticed. Keep in mind, when we're talking about North Korea here for the past 70-plus years, it's been ruled by three generations of the Kim family. There was Kim Jong-un's grandfather, his father, and now him. And so the citizens of that country are told that the family hails from a sacred bloodline, meaning only they can rule over the country. And so he wants to pass this now to a fourth generation of the family. But the question, Jill, is Kim Jong-un's 39. He's a millennial. What is he doing with the 10-year-old? How am I older than Kim Jong-un? <laughs> and you, you are too. It, though, Jill. How are we you- both older than him? We don't look it, though. We don't look it, though. And we don't have our own media arms to, like, uh, censor our images. (laughs) Either way, there are apparently health questions about him. I I will often get these stories sent to me from, like, you know, The Sun in the UK and various gossip magazines that, like, he might be very sick. But the fact that he's bringing his 10-year-old daughter around and there's this talk of, like, who uh, the country will go to next is leading more to say maybe there is a health issue that he's facing. So that is idea one as to why the 10-year-old is out there with him more and more and more. The other theory is that because North Korea is a deeply patriarchal society, and North Korea has never been led by a woman, despite the fact that Kim's sister, her name is Kim Yo-jung, is out there sometimes, that he wants to basically train the society and get them ready to have a female leader, and he's starting very young. So those are the kind of two theories of the case right now. Okay, from the Hill, January 6th rioter who carried Confederate flag has been sentenced to three years in prison. Kevin Seafried teared up before a U.S. district judge in a D.C. courtroom. He told the judge, 
I never wanted to send a message of hate. The judge told him that bringing the flag into one of our nation's most sacred halls was outrageous. The 53-year-old Delaware man breached the Capitol alongside his son, Hunter, who was sentenced in October to two years in prison. Both had been found guilty last June of charges, including obstruction of an official proceeding. Jill, we don't update every one of these January 6th cases. There's actually 900 of them happening right now. But this was one of the most shocking photos that many of us remember from January 6th. Somebody parading a Confederate flag through the U.S. Capitol. And it was significant because even in the Civil War, even the Civil War, the Confederates never breached the Capitol. That flag had never flown in the Capitol. So this case uh, took on more notice, high interest. Prosecutors said that Kevin and his son Hunter actually were some of the first rioters to enter the U.S. Capitol building. They were there for nearly half an hour, and they actually confronted that uh, U.S. Capitol Police Officer Eugene Goodman, who's seen in many of the tapes, who happens to be black, with the Confederate flag. And we are now more than two years removed from January 6th, and uh, the general update is that about 1,000 have been charged with a crime. Many are still facing trial. A few have been sentenced. And keep in mind here, uh, former President Trump, who is running again, says that if he is reelected, he would seriously consider pardoning all of these people. And speaking of January 6th, some more news. Uh, Late Thursday, we learned that former Vice President Mike Pence has been subpoenaed by that special counsel investigating Trump and his role in the riots. Remember, this is special counsel Jack Smith. Uh, He was appointed uh, just a couple months ago, and he's investigating Trump on the classified documents scandal as well as any criminality related to January 6th. And so they reportedly want Pence to testify about his interactions with Trump leading up to the 2020 election and the day of the attack, as well as anything he might have known about the classified documents. No word yet from Pence here. It's an interesting move by the special counsel. I mean, literally, he wants to know what the vice president discussed with the president which means it sets up a major class when it comes to executive privilege. Keep in mind, Trump has used the uh, invocation of executive privilege, meaning this is privileged as an executive uh, to delay block uh, testimony from other officials during the various investigations that have taken place. So you can imagine it might be months or potentially years here before Pence, if he ever does, testify before the special counsel. From CBS News, an update on the Southwest travel debacle over the Christmas holiday. Southwest's chief operating officer, Andrew Watterson, told lawmakers Thursday that operational failures caused that holiday travel debacle that led to more than 16,000 flight cancellations and left millions of people stranded. He said, let me be clear, we messed up. He described a series of snowballing problems, starting with that winter storm. It was worse than they expected. And then things got made worse by operational shortfalls. That flight meltdown outraged customers as well as caused investigations from lawmakers and transportation regulators. Watterson says the airline has since reunited all customers with their personal belongings, with the exception of 200 pieces of luggage that did not have any identifying information uh, oh, note to, to everybody, put your name on your luggage. <laughs> um, well, sometimes the tags fall off, but then you got to like put something on the inside too, just to in case the tag falls off. About 2 million people were affected by all that flight chaos. That's a pretty good reuniting rate if there's only 200 pieces of luggage left, uh, though some people probably have gone for weeks without what they had in that luggage. Uh, incidentally, the hearing also heard from the uh, president of the Southwest Airlines Pilots Association, who testified and told a slightly different story. He described the carrier as held together by duct tape and bailing wire, Uh, says that Southwest lost operational control. They couldn't keep tabs on pilots, airplanes, crews, etc. 
um, says it's a much more perilous situation at the airline than was described by executives there. At that hearing, lawmakers highlighted the Pilot Association's more than two dozen warnings to Southwest of potential operational breakdowns given its antiquated software it was using. So basically, they were warning Southwest for a while here, and lawmakers are like, you guys should have known. This should not have happened. The airline itself says, by the way, that they're willing to spend more than a billion dollars to fix things. From NBC News, a follow-up on a story we told you about earlier this week. On Thursday, the Florida High School Athletic Association's board of directors voted 14 to 2 to remove questions about high school athletes' menstrual history from a required health form in order for them to participate in athletics. It came after listening to a flood of complaints contained in letters read aloud during an emergency meeting of the board. Some called the questions humiliating and invasive. Jill, we talked at length about that uh, on, a, on our previous podcast. Under the new proposal approved Thursday, all questions about menstruation will be removed from the student forms. That information is recommended be kept private between a student, doctor, and parents. Incidentally, the American Association of Pediatrics says that menstrual information can be helpful in diagnosing any issues uh, or uh, is relevant when it comes to various injuries or how the athletes are feeling, but it never recommended that it be shared with uh, sports <laughs> coaches or mandated in any form. So uh, huge faux pas here. The reason that I am laughing here is because the American Association of Pediatrics is clearly like, keep our name out of this. You know, we we are we just, never we never we, said we never that said it should be <laughs> mandatory given to your assistant, whatever coach. Like, sorry. From CNBC, Chick-fil-A will be testing its first plant-based entree, a cauliflower sandwich. The new sandwich closely resembles its famous chicken sandwich, but it uses breaded and pressure-cooked cauliflower in place of meat. Starting Monday, it's going to test the menu item in Colorado, South Carolina, and North Carolina. Chick-fil-A says it's been working on a plant-based sandwich for about four years now, right around when chains like Dunkin' and Burger King launched theirs. Jill, it's an interesting move by them, uh, given that we talked recently on the podcast about how meat alternatives have actually fallen out of favor recently with consumers. They were seeing a surge of popularity during pandemic lockdowns. But if you look at recent numbers, uh, sales numbers, uh, polling, et cetera, uh, you've seen the kind of meat alternatives, Beyond Meat, et cetera, fall out of favor. Both Beyond and Impossible each recently laid off about a fifth of their workforces. All right, Jill, so the big question is, are you going to be trying this new cauliflower thing? I think I will. First of all, I eat meat and I, I eat chicken, which is, it sounds like this is a replacement for chicken. But this is much more appealing to me than Impossible Burger or Beyond Meat, which is why, Mosh, I wanted to do the story when you were like, Jill, <laughs> I'm, I'm over it. <laughs> well, well, it's funny because I, when you proposed the story to me, I was like, wait, we're still doing kind of like meat alternative story? I thought they're like so out of favor now. So it was interesting. I, I think it brings an interesting discussion. And I guess unless you find yourself in the Carolinas sometime soon, we'll have to see if it uh, gains traction there and, uh, and expands nationally. All right, Jill, that brings us to On This Day in History, which this week, uh, we're very thankful, has been sponsored by Bull and Branch Sheets and Bedding. They're extending their special deal right now for Mo News listeners. Their sheets are, of course, made of organic cotton, get softer with every wash, help keep you warm this winter. They're offering everyone who listens to this podcast or knows about this code 15% off plus free shipping for a limited time with your first purchase. The promo code is Mo News. Surprise, surprise. So you can use that over at bullandbranch.com, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. We'll have more on that at the end of this segment. 
Okay, let's begin this on this day back in the 1800s. On this day, 177 years ago, the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh, who were at the time living in Novu, Illinois, began their long westward migration that eventually would bring them to the Great Salt Lake in Utah. It was just about 18 months after their founder, Joseph Smith, had been assassinated, uh, and they were facing uh, a lot of persecution where they were living. And so convinced that they would never find peace in the U.S., Smith's successor, his name was Brigham Young, made the bold decision to have them basically trek across the country and eventually uh, made their way to Utah, which at the time was a territory uh, controlled uh, by the Mexican government. So on this day in history, the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which was known as the Mormons at one point, make their way out west. All right, our next piece of history brings us to 1976. 47 years ago, Gerald Ford became the first U.S. president to officially recognize this month, February, as Black History Month. And one piece of media news here, 125 years ago today, Jill, the New York Times began printing all the news that's fit to print on their front page. I hope 125 years from now, people will be talking about the Mo News podcast motto. <laughs> we read between the lines so you don't have to. So you don't have to. Maybe, maybe one day, sometime in the next century. We have a couple of celebrity birthdays we're celebrating today and this weekend. Actress Elizabeth Banks is 49. ABC News' George Stephanopoulos is 62. CNBC's Jim Cramer is 68. And then tomorrow, big day, Sheryl Crow turns 61 and Jennifer Aniston turns 54. A bit of music news before we end this segment. Carol King released her album Tapestry 52 years ago today on February 10th, 1971. Really uh, amazing album. It is uh, one of my favorites, actually. Yeah, the album has You've Got a Friend, Natural Woman, I Feel the Earth Move, uh, all featured in that uh, Broadway show that was uh, on Broadway for a couple years about her life. Right, that show is called Beautiful. Uh, they were on Broadway for about six years, but they're still touring. All right, one piece of music news. I hope this doesn't make anybody feel too old, but turning 40 years old today is Total Eclipse of the Heart by Bonnie Tyler. Turn around, bright eyes. Okay, so I really shouldn't sing because my voice is still not... I should never sing, but I really shouldn't sing because my voice still is not really bad. This is, this is Jill talking to herself, everybody. But the... Yes. Oddly, this is one song that my husband thinks is like my song. He's like, this is your, this should be your karaoke song. He thinks and? for some reason it's just in my range. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to let us know next time you go out to karaoke uh, if you rock out to this. And then finally, as teased at the top of the podcast, on this date 28 years ago, Billy Madison, starring Adam Sandler, premiered in theaters. Chlorophyll, more like Borophyll. <laughs> stop looking at me swan shampoo is better no conditioner is better um jill there was you ain't era. cool if you don't pee in your pants yes great line great line o'doyle rules o'doyle rules honestly that the that film really i think i watched it on repeat on dvd <laughs> my brother and i hundreds of times when we were kids Anyway, thank you again to Boland Branch for sponsoring our On This Day this week. I hope all of you looking for new sheets for yourself or a loved one, head over to bolandbranch.com. That is B-O-L-L-A-N-D branch.com. My wife and I got our first set in the fall. We're getting another set right now. Loving them so far. Again, the deal here for all of you, 15% off, one five, 15% off your first set of sheets, plus free shipping with the promo code MONEWS over at bullandbranch.com. promo code MONEWS. And most cheers to the freaking weekends, which of course is our ode to Rihanna every Friday. Here is what we are watching, reading, and eating this weekend. For watching, I think 
the Super Bowl, right? I think we're both going to be watching the Super Bowl along with pretty much everybody else. Um, though uh, I am excited. I think we mentioned this briefly yesterday. Uh, before the Super Bowl starts, I'm hoping to start to watch a couple episodes of You, which the new season just came out on Netflix yesterday. All right, what are we reading this weekend? So I just started a book about the media, about our industry, uh, by Steve Krakauer. He was at CNN for years, had worked in a number of media organizations. And so he has a new book out called Uncovered, How the Media Got Cozy with Power, Abandoned Its Principles, and Lost the People. So he's a former CNNer, but now he's independent like us. Uh, the book actually comes out on February 21st, uh, hoping to have him uh, on a future podcast edition. Uh, and I'll report back on how it is, but always interested taking a look at uh, how the media is doing, how we've lost trust. It was a subject of the, of the TEDx talk that I gave last year in Nashville, and certainly something that you and I are both uh, really focused on. Jill, are you reading anything good this weekend? Moshe, I believe in being honest on this podcast. And I have to tell you, I don't think I'm going to have time to do any reading this weekend. And that is because uh, I have a big family weekend. My dad is getting an award from the Athletic Association at our local high school um, for a Lifetime Achievement Award. And that's because he basically started the basketball program about 35 years ago, and he still coaches teams now. And he's made such a difference in so many of these kids' lives. And I'm happy to report that uh, they are acknowledging that. So I'm just psyched for him, and it should be a really special day. That's so great to hear, Jill. A special congrats to Warren Wagner from all of us. And I'm not going to tell him that I did a shout-out on this podcast, but I will know officially if he listened. Dad. If he made it to the end. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and on to what we are eating this weekend. I think all things Super Bowl food, right, Mosh? Yeah, it's a, it's a weekend to uh, pig out, as they say. Okay, so a new survey looked at the top 10 Super Bowl party foods in America. Meatballs, guac, chips and salsa, tater tots, chili, buffalo wings, hummus, nachos, pigs in a blanket, and spinach artichoke dip. Check, check, check. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty good mix and is one of the reasons why the Monday after Super Bowl should be a national holiday, Jill, because after eating that or some of those, you're not in condition to do anything productive on Monday. And with that, we want to thank everyone for listening to the Mo News Podcast. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Review us in the App Store so we can continue to grow. And don't forget to follow us over on Instagram at Mosh at M-O-S-H-E-H over on the gram. Uh, and a reminder, we had a couple extra episodes this week on China. So take a listen to that interview. And with that, we'll see everyone back here on Monday morning uh, when you're hungover from your respective Super Bowl parties. Yeah, our Monday podcast should be interesting. Yeah, how are we recording that, actually? We should <laughs> talk know. about that. <laughs> All right, bye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>